welcome to I Can Ship It. I'm Annette. And I'm Ashley. And today we've got episode 14 for you. We're actually going to be discussing our top five TV female characters. Um, they do not have to be queer in this one. We actually just decided we wanted to pick our top five because, you know, these, for me anyway, these go all the way back to when I was about six years old. Um, and we just want to kind of share with you why we love these women, why we think you would love them. So as far as like our formatting for today, uh, we're going to do kind of like a, uh, you know, of course, the top five plus our honorable mentions. We're just going to count it down from five and work our way through. Um, some of them may be the same characters or, you know, never know. We're very similar. So we might have the same characters on our list, um, but that's just because they're doubly awesome. So it makes sense. Um, but uh, we'll go ahead and jump right in. Annette, hit him with your number five. What you got? Number five. This is going to be the one and only Julia Sugarbaker, played by Dixie Carter from Designing Women. Uh, this show aired from 86 to 93, and I've always loved Designing Women. I will not leave and lie to you on that. I did not realize just how much Julia Sugarbaker shaped my life until they've got uh, Hulu has now has every season of Designing Women on, so you can stream it. And I just started watching season one as soon as they put it up. And as I'm watching Julia with her legendary takedowns, um, she's mouthy. She's Southern. Um, she tries to be refined, but sometimes people just get on her fucking nerves and she has to spit some truth at them. Mm-hmm. She's full of sarcasm. And <laughs> maybe her most, uh, her sister, Suzanne, kind of rubs her the wrong way. Um, she loves her to death, but at the same time, she could choke her out in a minute's notice. And I personally identify with that. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, uh, I love all of my sisters. There's, I have three of them, but at the same time, we, we could call each other's eyes out on any given day, mm-hmm. but you let somebody else come for them and we're going right. to go in and take you down. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite takedowns of Julia's is when, uh, Suzanne is actually, uh, going to be she's Suzanne is a beauty queen and so they're at a beauty contest and Suzanne was Miss Georgia and she was you know former Miss Georgia she's in there she's trying to help the the new girls and all of that well the current Miss Georgia starts running her mouth about Suzanne in Julia's presence and Julia shuts the door on this bitch and proceeds to give her one of the I mean she just strips this woman it is, I can't even repeat it all. It is a diatribe, try. She goes off on her, and at the end of it, she tells her, um, because Joy, uh, Suzanne, she did the baton twirling. She threw that baton, you know, went up in the air, and the lights went out. There's a standing ovation, and she ends it with, and that's the night the lights went out in Georgia. So, oh. <laughs> you know. Up until that point, you always see Suzanne and Julia kind of just ribbing each other. But, yeah, she's got her sister's back. And she's always got her two best friends, which are Mary Jo and Charlene. They're in the business together, the four of them, Suzanne, Julia, Mary Jo, Charlene. And, like, Julia would go to war for these women. You know, she, these are her family. And, you know, as a little six-year-old growing I didn't realize anything other than it was funny just to hear this lady going off all the time. But, you know, now. Almost 40, I look back and I see, oh, shit, a lot of the way that I think um, was was definitely influenced by this character. 
Um, mm-hmm. She was Southern Democrat. Um, she definitely did not make any bones about speaking her mind. And the older she got, just like where I'm at now, the older I get, the less I care about your opinion of me. Yeah. Um, you know, so, yeah, Julia is just one of those that it's so this show and this character are so relevant today. Um, there's one where she talks about an election, which let's, we ain't even getting into that. But literally that takedown applies today into this climate that we're going in. And it's just one of those. She's a timeless character for me. I love her. Um, I have a little bit of Julia in me. I think all of us should have a little bit of Julia in us. Uh, she's definitely going to stand up for what she believes, fight for who she loves. And if you don't like it, she will throw some sarcasm and some remarks your way. So, yeah, that's yeah. my number five. Um, yeah, but, she, uh, Julia, um, that's actually, she's my favorite designing women character. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, one of the reasons why is um, basically for those who don't know what Designing Women was or is or whatever, um, if you are looking for, like, a a modern, a more modern look, it, she's she's literally, like, Bette Porter before Bette Porter was Bette Porter. Like, Straight up. Like, if Julia Sugarbaker was on Showtime, it's Beth Porter. Like, that, that's, I mean, obviously <laughs> Beth's not from the South, but, like, that's, that's basically, that's the example as far as, like, if you were looking for an example for a more modern show, like, modern time show, like, you would be Beth Porter. Um, because Beth's the, the exact same way. Like, she's very fierce when it comes to defending her family and friends. She's, you know, very, you know, A-type personality, take charge. Uh, successful businesswoman, you know, literally it's Julia Sugarbaker. It's like Eileen Shaken literally copied Julia Sugarbaker, and then Jennifer Beals like put her own little twist on it and brought this Beck Porter character to life. But Julia Sugarbaker, oh yeah, like some of them, some of them cuts, boy, she literally would slash you with her vicious, vicious words. Like, she oh yeah, would, like there, there's demolish you that it. <laughs> There's a list, and when we, when we post this episode, I will make sure to tweet out the Southern Living, where you can see some of her or read some of them. They've got her quotes. They've got some videos. But mm-hmm. she literally has this one that I love to this day. And she says, it has been the men who have done the lawmaking and the money-making and most of the mischief-making. So if the world isn't quite what you had in mind, you have only yourselves to think. Mm-hmm. Because she, I mean, she's taking down a dude. She's, I mean, the first episode she takes down Ray Dawn. You just watch it, people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's, she's like, yeah, she's just, she's a badass. Like, and it was so crazy, too, because at the time when the show aired, I mean, there was, you know, you had some characters like that on TV, but really and truly, like, you know, they would have some kind of fatal flaw or something that yeah. kind of, overpowered their powerful personality and toned them down but really and truly like if if i'm remembering the show correctly and you're watching it currently so Mm -hmm. remember correctly she really didn't have that like i mean she had you know her love interests and different things like that but it didn't it It didn't didn't take away from yeah exactly like some of the other strong female characters of that era um Mm -hmm. had that that kryptonite for lack of a better term um so 
uh, Julie Sugarbaker, that's like, I mean, she's my favorite designing woman. Like, we had a conversation on this not, not too long ago. Um, I sent a text to Annette and our, our friend Natalie, and I was like, yo, I was like, Julia Sugarbaker, y'all. And uh, fortunately, Natalie was like, she's not my favorite. And I was like, I don't even know if we could be friends anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, good choice, dude. That's a, that's, a, that's a good number five. So, I'm uh, I'm also jumping into childhood for my number five. Um, mm-hmm. My number five is uh, Lita from the Deadpool well, at the time. It was WWF, but uh, WWF slash WWE. Uh, she was a female wrestler uh, from the Attitude Era. And if you watch wrestling, if you know anything about it, that was like the pinnacle of wrestling. Because you had like the Monday Night Wars between WCW and WWF. Um, once WCW went belly up, then you had really and truly like the best part of the Attitude Era. And at that time, uh, female wrestlers, 99% of them were just valets. So they would come out with the male wrestlers um, and, you know, basically stand around and be useless. Um, and then there's a few of them, like um, her name is Jacqueline, like she was a, she was a valet for uh, WCW. And she actually could, you know, pick up the men and like body slam them and like show that she's very strong. And so um, years later down the line, you had the Attitude Era where they had more and more female wrestlers actually wrestling. Like they weren't just escorts. They don't. They weren't just eye candy. They actually wrestled. And Lita, she started out as eye candy. Don't get me wrong. She started she's out cool. in the Godfather's Toe Train, which, looking back on it, it's like. Wow, some of the political correctness of that show. <laughs> so off. But anyway, she started out as one of the Godfather's hoes as a as valet. Then she became the valet for S.A. Rios, who was a uh, luchador style wrestler for WWF. And then she actually started wrestling herself and then became part of Team Extreme and actually was a part of this men's tag team stable because she was that good. Like, y'all, she would, you know, do all these, like, high-flying maneuvers, and she, she was very heavily influenced by Lucha Libre-style wrestling, as well as Japanese wrestling. So she did a lot of, like, high-risk moves, very fast, super athletic. I mean, her, she had title reigns, which, you know, at the time, and even still today, like, there's not that many women of color who do title reigns. Um, usually they, they last, you know, maybe a couple of months, sometimes even days and they drop it to, you know, another, uh, another wrestler, usually of the Caucasian persuasion. Um, but Lita, like her, I remember watching her and thinking, oh my gosh, like I could do what, it was very inspiring because like just seeing her compete with some of the men, like, she would she would interfere in, like, some of the men's matches and, like, do these moves. And, like, then, of course, she would dominate the female division. Her and, like, one other female wrestler would just kill everybody. Um, and uh, actually, two more. But Lita, it, it, just watching her growing up, I just remember, you know, because at the time I was, I was younger and I was playing sports and I was always afraid that, like, I, I'm kind of a pacifist and I never want to hurt anybody. And so I was always afraid that I was going to hurt somebody and... You know, I, I never really played to my potential up until I started watching her wrestle. And watching her wrestle, I was like, oh, okay, you can compete with the boys and you can, 
you know, you can be a strong female athlete and it's okay. Like it's not something that should be frowned upon. And so I took that into my own life and applied that when I played sports and, and did whatever it was I wanted to do. My gender wasn't going to stop me. Um, and I, you know, really appreciate that. So Lita, I mean, her feuds with like Trish Stratus was like some of the best wrestling like ever. Like, I, oh I my do God. remember that. I was still yeah. watching wrestling at that time. Yeah, her feuds with Lita are with Trish Stratus, some of the best. Um, and then as the division started to change, more and more female wrestlers became more um, athletic. Mm-hmm. So it made the matches more interesting. Um, and eventually I, I, I got older and you know, I checked out this, you know, oh, I'm in high school. You're lame if you watch wrestling you're in high school. Um, so I eventually I checked out. And they did go through a dry spell, I gotta say. They did go through a dry spell when some of the old heads started to retire or they, you know, start to go to other, you know, venue, go to other shows or whatever. Um, But uh, Leah, my number five, like, I'm literally, like, sitting here thinking about, like, all of some of the matches that I watched growing up. But I was just like, oh, my God. Like, I was telling Annette earlier, we were talking about our list. I was like, I, watching her, I wanted to be a wrestler. Like, I found a diary that I had at my parents' house where I had, like, <laughs> what my outfit was going to be and what my stage name was going to be. Like, literally, I had, like, this plan of becoming a wrestler. And, like, in the notebook, I forgot to tell you this, that in the notebook, it had, um, like, I don't know if it was, like, magazine clippings or newspapers, paper mm-hmm. of some sort of Team Extremes, like Hardy Boys and Lita and like Trish mm-hmm. Stratus was in there, The Rock was in there, like all these like wrestlers from back in the day were taped or glued to the back, like yeah. Back I mean, that, I, I I support this Lita choice. I mean, I um one hundred percent remember Lita, like probably more than any of other female wrestler because prior to that, I remember like Miss Elizabeth. You know, we had Scary Sherry, but they like you said were the valets. And every now and then they would come in and do something. But Lita definitely is that first one I remember. And I know she's not the first one because, I mean, they had the yeah. fabulous moolah, but that was before my time. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Lita, I, I do remember the first time I saw her. Uh, and I was just like, holy shit. Because my sister naturally was more into the Hardy Boys and Lita, you know, for reasons I didn't know. Um, other than I just thought she was a kick-ass female at mm-hmm. the time. But yeah, she she hung with the boys. I mean, oh, yeah. she could get she would flip their asses. Mm-hmm. She could suplex them. She could body slam them. It didn't matter what it was. And yeah. even to this day, like she'll pop up uh, on some things. I'm like, oh my god, you remember Lita? And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I would I, like. I, I like that choice. Like I I don't fangirl very often, but when I do, like I oh my god, like Annette knows this. She witnessed it firsthand. <laughs> I if I got to meet Lita, I would shit a brick. Like I'm not even kidding you. That would be one of the ultimate fangirl moments for me because you guys, I don't think you understand. If you watch wrestling, you'll get it, you know. Yeah. But if you didn't watch wrestling, you won't understand like how much because, like I said, like she was a part of the change. Like women's wrestling has gone through a lot of evolutions over the years. Like um, nowadays. It's to me, as far as the athleticism, it's very, it's very much more athletic now than it was back during the Attitude Era. There was only like a handful of female wrestlers that were super athletic, that really and truly could hang with the guys when it came to quality of matches. Um, Lita being one of those, but she was a part of that revolution of 
um, the women's division, you know, actually being substantial, having good matches and stuff like that. Because the women's matches, like I was watching w- WCW um, Nitro the other day, and they had a couple of women's matches on there. They were such trash. It was <laughs> so bad to watch. I was like, see, this is why I don't remember any WCW women wrestlers because y'all were trash back then. Like it was, oh my God, it was horrible compared to, you know, your Lita's and your Trish and your Victoria Ivory. Um, I mean, those are just a couple of four that I can think of Mm -hmm. off the top of my head. Um, And then it took a turn again, like some of those guys started to retire or they were getting injured. So they were out for a long period of time and they had this new wave of wrestlers come in and they, they weren't as good. I mean, I'll, I'll just be real straight with you. Oh, I forgot Molly Holly. Oh my God, <laughs> Molly Holly and Victoria. Um, dude, seriously, like I could literally talk about old you could school wrestling like, all day. This, this could be its own day. episode. It really could. So I'm gonna I'm gonna move on. But Lita definitely. If if I ever ever got a chance to meet Lita, would totally shit a brick. Um, she definitely had an influence over my athletic career. Um, growing up and uh, getting older and high school and all that stuff, college. So uh, she definitely had to be on my list. Um, so that's my number five. Annette, what you got for number four? Number four, this is a name everybody's going to know, and it's definitely definitely heard me say before. Um, uh, because, let's face it, I can't get enough of this one, but it's Dana Fairbanks from L Word. And it's, it goes beyond her just being my favorite. Um, like so many of us, I would think. Or that I know, you know, we've had, there's been discussions with friends of mine or random people at cons or whatever when we get to talking about L Word. Dana was definitely the most beloved um, because she helped a lot of us come to terms with who we are. Like she helped us come out. This That show, as soapy as it was, mm-hmm. Dana being in the closet when that started or thinking she was in the closet, you know, she thought oh. she was hiding it from everybody that she loved. Um, you know, her parents, she didn't want to disappoint them, her career. Things that we've all kind of wrestled with, you know, when I when I started watching L Word, it started, you know, 2004. I was just, you know, t- uh, about to turn 24. And, you know, I, I knew at that time that, yeah, I liked girls, but I definitely wasn't out by any means. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I got to watch that show and that show led to me, you know, every now and then somebody would say something about L Word and I would be around where, you know, nobody in my family could hear me or. Nobody that knew me could hear me, but I got to making these friends and we started, we would all gather up and watch the show somewhere, you know, and by the end, hell, by the end of the season, or not season, but the end of the series, I mean, I was out and proud, um, you know, so I, I watched that first season pretty much alone and then, you know, kind of started eking, eking into like, you know what, what's so bad about being who I am, you know, uh, just be honest with it. And don't get me wrong, it wasn't easy, but definitely, you know, Dana, Dana was a very much a catalyst of that. And, you know, her coming out wasn't great. Her parents still didn't accept her. Um, They just kind of pushed it to the side and hit it. But she always had her friends that very much that core group um, that was her family. And, you know, that's something that for me, you know, Ashley, I consider Ashley here. You're definitely my family, dude. Um, oh, thanks, dude. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, I mean, I really do. And, you know, I've got some that I've been friends with since kindergarten. Some, you know, would be college. And then yeah. every now and then I let somebody new in and here you came. 
Yeah, but, I know. Yeah. I'm the same. I don't. I don't <laughs> let people in my circle very, very often. Yeah. But when I do. <laughs> so yeah, I mean Dana. Don't get me wrong. Um, as as serious as I take Dana, she was just fucking funny, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when she finally accepted who she was, she's like, you know what? I just she kind of didn't take herself too seriously until you know the cancer diagnosis that we don't want to talk about. So we're not going to get into that. But um, yeah, number four, Dana Fairbanks. Probably love of my life right there. <laughs> oh, Dana. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, I really liked your character and you brought up some very good points about, you know, her story and how she was introduced and everything. I mean, that's, that kind of like representation um, is very vital. I mean, because you don't know, you don't know what people are going through, you know, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to that. Like, you just, you don't know. And so seeing somebody, you know, have her story arc again we did not mention the cancer part of it so when we say story arc we're seeing seasons one and two mm-hmm. um seeing that and in kind of having that come to life and then kind of reflecting on your own situation um was, was very vital and especially at that time too like because there was not there wasn't i mean you didn't really have anybody to look up to you didn't this really have it for me yeah i mean i mean thinking like, like if you look at the history of it there was nobody else, like really and truly at that time, that that, that much visibility, you know, mm-hmm. of kind of like, I mean, it's it's still a fictional show. So obviously it's not, you know, real life, but at least as close as to what they could get at the time without, you know, making it you know, like a documentary. Right. Um, that was the closest that you were going to get in 2004, 2005. You, I mean, that is what it is, you know. Um, so seeing that, uh, mind you, I didn't see the show until, um, I think, 2000, I want to say 2006. Mm-hmm. I think they were in this. I think, the, I think the third season had started when I got my hands on the first two seasons um, on DVD. Because I was working at Blockbuster at the time. But um, so I, I came in a little bit later. Uh, but uh even still, it was still relevant even two years later. Even, like, they were more popular and stuff back then. But even two years later, a lot of the landscape of, you know, our country and our world had not changed. But, you know, it was slowly starting to make little little baby steps of progress. Um, and I, you know, and I, I truly think that the show actually helped in that situation. Again, mind you, it is still fictional. You know, some of that shit is not real. You know, from our other episodes, <laughs> On it, like we talked about how unrealistic some of that shit was, but um, <laughs> it's a soap opera, people. It's not exactly. meant to all be serious. Exactly, it's a soap opera, so it's not meant to be serious, not meant to be you know as, as real as you know you can get. But even still, um, Dan Fairbanks, that's a that's a good choice. I mean, at least one of us has uh, a character um, from the L word on there, so I because I I'm not gonna lie, I don't have any on my list, but. Well, um, you you know me trying to narrow this list down. I was like, ooh. Yeah. I, I mean, got to go with influence other than just me loving, because I love a lot of things. But I was like, yeah. who had that most influence for me? Yeah. It was it was definitely a struggle trying to put this list together um, because there's just so. And it's like hard because you don't necessarily think about it. Like, it just is. Mm-hmm. So it was like hard to, like, narrow it down and then think about, okay, well, who can I make on this list? Because like, this list could go on and on and on and on and on, like. Let's be real. It literally could be a ten top ten list, but we yeah. ain't got time for that. So, uh, but uh, Darren Fairbanks, good choice. Um, I definitely approve. Uh, for my number four, um, I'm coming in with 
my girl. Oh, I freaking love her. Carrie Ann Moss, y'all. Trinity from <laughs> The Matrix. Yeah. Uh, Trinity from The Matrix, like, that first scene, the, ma- this, the movie starts, okay, and this this chick who's in, you know, all this leather, black leather, sunglasses, slick back hair, you know, she's you know doing her thing, and she's running from these dudes in suit. Like, you didn't, like, when The Matrix comes on, you don't know what the hell's going on. Like, it's just, it's freaking insane but she like it comes on the scene then she starts beating the shit out of cops and i was like oh i'm sold i don't even know what this movie is about <laughs> you were like i here. i am here for it because she is literally kicking the ass of so many dudes and in looking it effort like it's effortless like it's just she was just amazing and like so growing up i used to watch and even still now as an adult i watched a lot of like kung fu movies with my dad martial arts movies with my dad so i've always had a good appreciation for martial arts you know my dad was a martial arts um he was a black belt not black belt a brown belt in uh taekwondo no karate sorry in karate so always had a healthy uh appreciation for martial arts and i love you know the old hong kong flicks and the old you know bruce lee enter the dragon is one of my favorite movies but anyway um so with trinity you know she's doing all this stuff she does the the scorpion steam kick like if y'all know what that is it's badass you don't YouTube it because it's amazing. But she's doing all this shit. I mean, just beating the hell out of these dudes, and um, she was just a badass. It's all around badass. She also was the second in command on the ship. Like she was his first mate. Uh, Morpheus's first mate on the ship when they go into the real world, and she she didn't need nobody. Like Trinity was definitely one of those female characters where it's like, all right, Neo, like Neo's cool, you know. Like, that was her boy, but she didn't need him. Like, she literally could handle herself. Like, having being the one's girlfriend definitely must have had perks, you know, but really and truly, like, she could handle herself. Um, and, like, the first, really, do you see that in the first Matrix movie? The second one, she starts getting all lovey-dovey and starts to lose herself a little bit. Um, and comes <laughs> back. She comes back, again, though, in the third movie. But in the second movie, she's all love-struck and stupid, but um, the first movie, you know, she she does a lot and she takes on a lot um, when, after they find out Morpheus get kidnapped and stuff. But just the fact that the martial arts, seeing a female martial artist do what she did, that, I mean, that was rare. I mean, like, I Matrix came out in 1999. I was 12 when The Matrix came out. So really and truly, there was only probably maybe two other women I can think of off the top of my head that had badass martial arts, you know, training slash moves, slash, you know what I mean? Like fight mm-hmm. scenes and stuff like that. And like Trinity, don't get me wrong, y'all, like she got hit. Like they didn't, they didn't pull no punches because she was a woman. Like when she got tagged, she got tagged and she bled. Like it wasn't like, you know, oh, she's a girl, you know, we're not going to show her get hit. Nah, bitch. They, mm-hmm. she got popped, she got popped. And I appreciated that because, you know, like I said, growing up, you know, there was only so many female, strong female characters that had the skills of the men. Because really and truly, a lot of times you just saw the women were there, you know, oh, they they kicked the gun over just in time for the men to save the day. That would that was kind of their role. And so you have a sprinkling of, you know, different TV shows and movies that came out where. 
you know, the women actually could kick ass. And I, I think if my movie history is correct, The Matrix is one of those first like movies that really showed that a woman could beat up a dude. She could take a hit because she she got rocked pretty good in a couple of couple of scenes. She could take a hit. Um, and she actually could bring something substantial to the table. That's like one of my ultimate pet peeves is when you have like a, a character, whether it be male or female, mostly female because I'm a woman, but <laughs> when they're just useless, like don't be fucking useless. Like that, that is the old, that's like my ultimate pet peeve with like movies. And then, oh, another thing, the first for her, she was one of the stars of an action movie. Like hmm. she wasn't just a character that just happened to be there. Like she was one of the stars of this action franchise like like uh, the initial draw to the major the first major was obviously keanu reeves and Lawrence fishburne because they had the biggest names but then when you had you know matrix reloaded that came out in 2003 i believe when that came out um she was on the building like her name was on the building because everybody saw how much of a badass she was in the first matrix and then they solidified it a little bit more again she kind of took a little bit of a turn in the second one but she still had some really good action uh, sequences and scenes and then in the third matrix installment um she kind of went back she had to go save neo she had to go save the hero of the movie mm-hmm. so if that doesn't show you how much of a badass this woman is i don't know what will and it's bullshit that they killed her off i'm still pissed off about that but um yeah trinity man like that bitch oh my god like i said that scorpion that scorpion sting kick kick oh man flawless just Look, uh, you're about to shame me again because I've never seen any of the Matrix movies. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Are you freaking, are you serious? You've never seen the Matrix. No. You've never even seen the first one. Like the one that came out in 1999? You've never seen If I did, I don't remember it. Oh my God. All right. So do y'all remember, mm, I think about six episodes ago, (laughs) we talked about binge worthy shows and Annette mentioned she had never watched Orphan Black again, Sacrilege. Right, right. right. This is Sacrilege as well. And uh, <laughs> so I gave her homework to watch The Last Airbender. You need to watch The Matrix. And you have no excuse because it's either on Netflix. Yeah, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. You can get it for free. There's no effort involved. You need to watch. If you don't, okay. If you don't even watch the third one, I'll give you a pass. You don't have to watch the third one, but you do need to at least watch the first one because the first one revolutionized movie making, first of all. You're, you take away everything else in the movie and you look at just its impact on cinematography and, you know, movie, like filmmaking, mm-hmm. you need to watch the first one. Like, Bullet, oh, I can't believe you've never seen them. Oh, my gosh. Look, that, that would have been the start of wow. my, poor, my poor college days. Movies didn't happen a lot for me. Wow. During those. Holy cow. Mm. You need to watch that. And I'm wait, honestly, so wait, hold on. So when she talked was in love with Keanu and we used to have Keanu nights and somehow we've never watched that. Wow. Wait, so when she when Carrie Ann Moss popped up in Jessica Jones, I did you even love know Carrie Ann Moss? From? Well, I've seen Carrie Ann Moss in a lot of things. I didn't know the Matrix was one of them, no. The, the Matrix is the biggest oh my god. Look, I'm, Wow. You know, like, I have like a lot of TV. Oh you. my god, I'm coming out of my recording food <laughs> because of the, I'm getting hot because of the amount of like I cannot believe this bitch has not seen the Matrix. Are you serious? Are you I'm freaking serious. kidding me? Look, wow, 
I'm, I swear to God. I mean, it's what, 1999, so 20 years ago. There's a uh -huh. chance I might have seen it, but I really don't remember ever watching it. Okay, so fun fact for those listening, and Annette, because you need to see this. I cannot believe you haven't seen this movie. But uh, because of the uh, 20th anniversary, um, The Matrix is actually being re-released in theaters. Like, I'm going to go. I've seen The Matrix. I can quote the movie, um, the first movie. You know um, what? I will but do I, that. I didn't see it in theaters. I, will do I didn't that. see it in theaters. So I want to do like the because like I was I was twelve when it came out and it's rated R. So my parents were definitely not going <laughs> to let me see it. I didn't see it until I was probably about fourteen. Um, but uh, it is coming out in theaters um, because for the the twentieth anniversary they're they're re-releasing it into movie theaters. So I want to go and do like the movie going moviegoer experience for the matrix because i didn't get to do it you know when it came out back in uh, 1999 but yeah you need to go to the movies even if you don't even want to do that you need to watch this movie like it's i mean and i know you're not that big into sci-fi so it's made it's probably another reason why you didn't watch it um at that time i will i've gotten way more into sci-fi recently yeah, we know true, this true but you need because, to, oh my God. You need, honestly, prior to Lost Carrie Girl and Winona Earp, I probably didn't mm -hmm. watch sci-fi at all. So Yeah, especially since you like Carrie Ann Moss. Like, you oh, I love Carrie Ann Moss. You have to see But I always movie. saw her as like, like a lawyer and things. <laughs> yeah, you need, to, you need to see this movie. Oh my God, just, yeah, yeah. You, you, I mean, you get the fangirl aspect of it because mm -hmm. you like, you love her in general, mm -hmm. but like, you see this, especially if you love like, like uh, strong female characters as far as like action stars and that kind of stuff. You need to watch this movie because you'll be like, mm, I, I see what Ashley's talking about now, and I see what I have missed. I, exactly, exactly. Like, wow, wow, huh? Learn something new every day. <laughs> just when you thought you knew somebody, <laughs> yeah. Just when, you, just when you think you know somebody, they don't come and hit you with that. Ain't gonna see the Matrix? Are you serious? Oh my god! Oh, I mean, I, I'm sure I've seen like pieces of it here and there, but I have never sat down and seen it. It's on TNT like all the time. It's I literally know. on TV all the now, time. You know, my TNT viewing was Rizzoli and Isles, and that's it. Okay. <laughs> I don't understand how you've never seen it, especially since you actually watch TNT faithfully. Literally, that movie is on TNT every five freaking minutes. Like it. Okay. Oh my God! I can't. What is your number three? I can't even focus anymore. <laughs> my number three. This will bring you back. This will. This will make bring you back. Is Root from Person of Interest? Because um, look, we have we our first episode was on Root. All right. This is the, one of those characters that only comes along every now and then. And when we first get to see Root, you know she's quote unquote the bad guy. But she's really not. She just wants to do her part to save the world. So she, you know, will cap a bad guy in the knees if that saves somebody else. Um, but Root is that character that, let's face it, she's crazy. Yeah. I mean, Root, Root is definitely psychotic, but yeah. she's high-functioning with it. I mean, first of all, the fact that Amy Acker plays her is not lost on me if anybody knows Amy Acker. I feel like anybody listening to this probably knows Amy Acker. Amy Acker is a very unassuming looking individual. Like she would be the mom next door, okay? And they have her play this, well, 
she, she, she's an assassin, legit, let's mm-hmm. just put it out there. And she can disguise herself and go in anywhere. She has that ability to blend in. She's like every woman. She can just blend in whatever outfit, yeah, whatever outfit you want to put her in, she's going to blend in. But she gets to do the most badass things. And she's so intelligent. That's the thing about it. Root, you know, you think, okay, a psycho, they're just crazy or whatever. No, no, no. Root is intelligent as can be. She's a hacker. That's where she starts at. You know, she can hack anything, anytime, anywhere. I mean, literally, she's the MacGyver of hackers. It doesn't matter. And then her whole mission is to go get the machine. I know we've talked about about Person of Interest at Nauseam. But for me, um, that was kind of the first time that I got to see. Don't get me wrong. There's been badass women on TV and in movies. But on TV, Root was the first time that I got to see a woman literally in the role that usually a guy would get. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, she ended up being the whole, for me anyway, the center of the show. Um, Don't get me wrong. I know John and Harold. Let's don't even get started on them. Fucking Harold, man. (laughs) But at the end of it, it all came back to root. And, uh, you know, it wasn't lost on me that she was also queer. Um, You know, she had a relationship with Shaw, but it wasn't, some lovey-dovey bullshit that usually happens if a woman you know finds her person and falls in love or you know even likes somebody then they usually become just that story and that didn't happen with her yeah uh, so um, girl jump in here because i know you've got thoughts on root and okay. i have a feeling we're going to hear about her again in a couple a couple numbers i guarantee it yeah i um, mean like all your all your points are, are valid i mean like her character for a villain, you know, if you look at TV history, villains usually, when you have, like, this big villain. Like, she was literally a villain for, yeah. what, two seasons, really? Almost mm-hmm. almost three. Almost two almost three. Two full seasons. Um, and, but she wasn't she wasn't the main villain, but she was a continuous villain. Like, Person of Interest is a very interesting show like it went like she said we talk about it at nauseum but it's such a good show because just the formula of how they set things up like you had multiple villains you know over the course of the show but then you had these like not i don't you can't even call them mini villains but like little uh, medium i'll go medium medium villains, medium sized villains just underneath the the big villain you know and then you had these mini villains who kind of pop up in and out but she was a medium villain, almost really and truly a big villain, because she was as smart as the, the one of the protagonists. And like mm-hmm. the Harold was, you know, they when they introduced him, they they showed you from jump this fool is a genius. This dude is super yeah. smart. Like you know, he's. I mean, I I personally can't stand his character, but I respect it in the sense of the dude was a genius and. He was able to do a lot of ridiculously crazy good things because of his genius. But then all of a sudden, you got this woman coming in who is introduced. You don't see her face. That's another thing I love about villains. If you don't see their face, it makes them more menacing when you can't identify them. All you can identify was her fingernails. So you come in, and then she's this assassin, and... She could either do it herself or she could hire somebody to do it. She was like a hands-off assassin. She was a hands-free assassin, yeah. y'all. She would literally hire other assassins to do her dirty work, get the money from the main guy that hired her, and then she would hire 
other guys to kill the original assassin she was supposed to pay who did the original like i mean mm-hmm. she just had everything like on lock like she could do ridiculous things with computers and then if she did decide to go hands-on she could handle herself like this bitch was tortured with freaking amphetamines and um she was like a, it was a gnarly cocktail they would like shoot her up with amphetamines yeah. and then it was all kinds her, of shit it was all kinds of shit, right? Basically, her heart was going to explode if they kept doing it. But she survived a CIA mm-hmm. friggin' torture session. Gets out, She ends up getting out of it. I mean, she's just all-around badass. And I really wish they would have shown us how she became like that, you know? But, that is the one thing mm-hmm. that I wish. is I wish I knew how Root became Root. I exactly. mean, we get just a glimpse mm-hmm. of her little kid story. But we don't yeah. see anything between the kid version of root and then Mm -hmm. the assassin version of root like where did she get it because i know she didn't just she wasn't just watching youtube okay yeah (laughs) yeah because hey it wasn't even around back then so it's like okay well how did you become the badass that you are what criminal organization or league of shadows bullshit did you go through like she could wield guns you know she Mm -hmm. was great she i mean she could literally beat a man's ass with Mm -hmm. a gun or without a gun it didn't matter yeah. Um, you know, she always could get the jump on somebody. Mm-hmm. And even the ones you wasn't supposed to get the jump on, Shaw, I'm looking at you, babe. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Preach. Yep. But yeah. Yeah. We'll, um, She's we'll table this. Let, let's table uh-huh. this for yeah. right now because I, I know she's coming up again later. Oh, yeah. She totally is. Um, but yeah, I, I obviously I'm going to agree wholeheartedly with your choice. Mind you, I would personally put her up a little higher on the list, but yeah, I know, I you know, know, you know, to each her own. Um, but uh, I, I, that's all I got to say is it's just root, it's root, bitch. That's all. That's all right, it. girl. Hit us with number. All right, my number three. We going back in time with this one. My number three is got to be Xena from Xena Warrior Princess. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, Xena. Uh, it's okay don't get me wrong the the show is corny as fuck you know when it comes to a lot of stuff um but xena was a badass like you you can't you cannot deny that xena was a badass regardless of how you felt about the show like i love the show by the way i watch it all the time but regardless of that's how you felt about the show xena was just cool like she was a leading star of, she was the star of the show. Lucy Lawless as Xena was just amazing. Um, you know, she had the skills to fight the men. She was stronger than a lot of the men that she fought on the show. Um, and But she still had the same female vulnerabilities. Like, they, they made her hard, but they didn't make her too hard. You know, like, because that's what, I mean, it, mind you, it's a sci-fi fantasy show so it's not realistic to begin with but like with with your characters like if a person is you know especially a woman like yeah you could be strong and be everything but you're still a woman so there's still certain sensibilities about you that you just you can't shake I mean that's just that's just how we are and I like that they they had that with her but even still the woman could kick ass take names you know bake a cake ride a horse have a baby, get up after having a baby, literally five seconds after having a kid, kick an ass of a god. Like, she literally did, could do everything. And her, the show, very quotable. I have many skills. Like, I'm pretty sure you've heard people say this, like, all the time. I have many skills. That's from Xena, because mm-hmm. she says that at one point. But 
she just Xena was just one of the coolest characters, female strong female characters to come out of the nineties. Like I don't care who you are, like, and if you say you liked Hercules better, bullshit because Hercules was not. trash. I actually Hercules did watch was Zena. trash, dude. I watched both, and Hercules was trash compared to Xena, mostly because like I think with Xena, they went the extra mile to get uh you know, stunt people that actually had some kind of fight training. Because mm-hmm. I feel like with Hercules, like, he literally, oh, I threw a punch. And I mean, he's Hercules, don't get me wrong. You know, <laughs> we get, we know the story, all right? If he flicks his, you know, flicks you in the nose, he can break it. Like, I, I get, you know, he's Hercules. He's strong. He doesn't really need to do much to fight. Um, but even still, I mean, Xena basically had the strength of the gods. She wasn't a god as far as, mm-hmm. you know, the story went, but she had the strength of the gods, but she also had the talent and ability to actually have fight sequences that made sense to an extent. Like they did a lot of like Hong Kong wire work in the show, um, but she still had, uh, you know, as far as like just hand to hand combat scenes that didn't have any wire work, they still had better fight scenes on Xena than they did on Hercules. Personally, I think the storyline was better on Xena as well and then also too i like the fact that the villains that they gave xena barring a couple of them were actually villains that could give xena a run for her money and i'm looking at you callisto because callisto was probably <laughs> by far beside behind xena she was my other favorite character like gabrielle is like callisto, a third I know that. but i love callisto callisto was freaking awesome um so you know i liked her and um um Ethany. Ethany was badass. Um, but anyway, uh so they gave Xena actually challenging villains versus where with Hercules, I felt like Hercules was kind of like you could get everything resolved in one episode. Where Xena, you know, you had she basically fought the gods literally all the time. Um, and then also there was an episode where she fought Athena, which we all know Athena is a god of wisdom and war. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, you have the God of War, Ares, but Ares was kind of stupid. So she could easily outwit Ares. But with Athena, that was a whole different story with Athena. Athena was smart and strong and, you know, had the same abilities that the God of War, uh, uh, Ares, did. So um, she was probably one of the one of the better opponents for Xena, as like I said, as well as Callisto. Um but uh, I loved watching, oh, my God. I used to, I used to man, y'all yeah, remember back in the day? where we didn't have DVR, so you had to get VHS tapes and then, like, program your 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 VCR to record whatever show it was that you would record. All right, man, faithfully. Because they used to come on... God forbid if a power went out. Oh, my God. Yeah, right? (laughs) Or your tape, like, say you kept using the same tape and eventually, like, the tape came on, like, like you couldn't Mm -hmm. record on it anymore and it would just be... Like, it was, it was rough back in those days, guys. Like, yeah, and, you know, for <laughs> Xena also, I would say, I can't, I, this is where shipping got its start, really. You know, fan yeah. fiction, this is yeah. tech. This is where, I mean, it was blatantly put in there because they couldn't go there for Xena and Gabrielle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, even, you know, the two actresses, they're the biggest Xena and Gabrielle shippers there are. Like, they're like, oh, no, they're together. Is, you know, even, well, even, even years later. later. Yeah. There's still Xenocons that happen because the show was so beloved and these yeah. characters are so beloved. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure, I mean, I'll have to double check this, but the last time I saw it, 
this is how subtext got put into our brain. You want to know how us queers, lesbians, gay, bisexual, transgender, anybody, you want to know how subtext became a thing? Go watch Cena because that's what we had to thrive on. I mean, don't get me wrong. We had an occasional, you know, for sweet weeks, we'd get an occasional gay character pop up or, you know, yeah. on ER or something, but they always had these tragic endings, you know, nothing great about it. Um, so we kind of had to create what we wanted, and Xena's where that came from. They gave us the permission and the license to do that. Really, truly, I would say fan fiction yeah. even really started with Xena. Because, okay. like, I remember, um, like, you know, the internet, it it was starting to get big. Because, you know, mm-hmm. you had, like, the Xenacons, then, then uh, X-Files started having conventions. So, like, the big shows of the 90s, barring, you know, a few, uh, started having conventions. And how they started the conventions was, a.k.a. using the internet. Like, they had, exactly. that's how they, you had these forums about the shows and everything. And then they decided to start having conventions. Um, and then from that spawned fan fiction, fan art. That was another one, fan art. Like, mm-hmm. Xena had a lot of fan art. It that still was does. Like, Xena has still does. Yeah. power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Xena is definitely like if you watch those like pop culture lists and you know that kind of stuff, Xena is always on there. Mind you, it, it fluctuates as to where it's located on the list, but Hercules is never on there. Like, I'm sorry, I not to bash Girl. Hercules, but I freaking hated that show. Like the only good thing that came out of Hercules was Xena. Period. That's the true. end. Don't at me. Okay. Just period. Just it, period. period. That's it. Like, you can't, and if you want to try to battle me on that, you know what? You could try. But I got all the receipts to show you that that show was trash. And the best thing to come out of it was Xena. And honestly, Kevin Sorbo is trash. Yeah, I said it. He's trash. Oh, yeah, like, he's, ooh, he has said some things. He's, he's not kind to us queers. No, he's not. And, like, the thing that gets me is, like, you, you go on there and you talk about you being a Christian and all that stuff and some of this shit that you say, that's bullshit. Jesus didn't say that, and Jesus don't like ugly. So move on. Yeah, like just uh, uh, no, Kevin Sober, fuck you, bro. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Zia, man, that's my number three. The, don't at me. You know, it's I, and I feel like Annette is kind of on the same page. Like Zia definitely has it's such an influence on pop culture, <laughs> on a lot of things, and Lucy Lawless. Enough said. And let me. Lucy is that one. It don't matter where she pops up, all of us lose our shit. Exactly. I mean, I remember she popped up on L Word. She was in Spartacus. If Lucy's yep. in it, we're going to support it. We're going to watch it. Battlestar Galactica. You're the remake of Battlestar Galactica. Yep. yep. She was on there too, people. Um, yeah. Lucy Lawless, when she pops, like, when she pops into something, you're like, ooh, Zena. I mean, don't get me wrong. She has a name, but let's be real. The first thing that like, pops ooh. in your head is, ooh. Zena's in this. Let's go. Yeah, and you're like, and then you're like, oh, Lucy, I ain't seen you in a. It's like seeing an old friend. You know, like when Lucy Lawless like pops in the shit, you're like, oh, Lucy, what's up, girl? I ain't seen you in a minute. What's going on? You know, and then you're invested. Uh, so you know, people, if anybody that produces TV shows, web series, whatever, if you could, if you're able to get Lucy Lawless on something, you got to follow him. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got two right here because I'm pretty Good sure I literally watch literally anything that she's in because she was on um. Ash vs. the Evil Dead, which I started watching, but then uh, we canceled our uh, HBO, mm-hmm. <laughs> our HBO subscription. So, um, but she was on there. She was actually a, she was a demon, I think, on uh, 
on uh, Ash vs. the Evil Dead. She was some kind of demon or some. I can't remember what she was, but she kind of started out as a bad guy, um, which is definitely cool uh, to see. So, um, yeah, Lucy Wallace, again, enough said. Uh, all right, we're, we're coming down on our list yeah. here. Annette, what you got for number two? Oh, number two. Um, you know what? Villanelle from Killing Eve. I'm not even going to beat around the bush on this one because I think this is probably the best character that has come along in, I don't know, the last decade, <laughs> I would venture to say. That's, that's a fair assessment. Because I, literally, I don't know that I've ever seen this character or anything like Villanelle anywhere before. Yes, we've seen female assassins. Yes, we've seen, you know, bad women or so what villains or whatever but this bitch is so likable you don't care that she does murder for hire um and the thing of it is i guess for me it's so groundbreaking because killing eve has the has two female leads you've got sandra oh who is eve and then you've got jodie comer who is villanelle and you know yeah you got to have eve to have killing eve but overall villanelle is just one of the juiciest characters that is out there um i mean she's also like root very this kind of goes into the same thing like why i like root this is why i like villanelle she's that chameleon she is she's going to blend in anywhere um she can straight up come at you with any kind of accent you want like she can do anything and i mean that's a credit to jody who plays her um who doesn't speak any other languages besides english that's the crazy thing she just speaks english only thing she speaks any other language in is for whatever line she's got to say in the show And she, she and Eve, oh my God, they are um, very much into each other. Mm-hmm. Um, we know we've talked about killing Eve at nauseam is just as well as personal ventures, but I just absolutely Villanelle completely obsessed with her. I mean, the way she kills, um, it's she shows off with it. Like it's she has her own style. Um, it's always going to have a flair to it, yeah. and. You know, she just all she wants to do is do her job and do it well. That's it. Yeah, go home and, and watch movies. <laughs> that's it. That's all she wants to do. And I mean, this bitch, she will, you know, cut you in the throat, stab you in the eye, and be home, you know, making a birthday cake. It just chilling a couple hours later. She ain't got no problems with that. And the thing of it is, is we, I honestly, I mean, Root is the closest thing I've ever seen to her, but I've never seen a character like this anywhere. Yeah. In the movies, TV even animated comics, anything like that. Like, she is just the baddest bitch in town. Does not care. I mean, and when she gets hit, she gets hit. Like, she has to fight mm-hmm. dudes as well. Um, And she gets cut, she gets cut. She gets shot. I mean, hell, Eve fucking stabs her, spoiler alert, at the end of season one. Um, And the thing of it is, we've only got two seasons to go off of, and I still love this character. I mean, I've I actually ordered found the uh books that these were based off of because i am so enthralled oh, really? about villanelle that i yeah it's called la villanelle it's a novel and the uh luke i can't remember his last name but the writer of it, yes the author yeah. of it you know he did them as like ebooks so you can get them all on amazon oh okay, and cool. yeah i was like all right i'm fixing to do this because this is something i need in my life but speaking I, of obsession yes <laughs> let's go with obsession <laughs> Yeah, I I mean she it, it that that show is very obsessive. Yes. Um, I was in Denver last weekend for my birthday, and um, my friend Katie she just had a baby, 
so she's home, you know, all day. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like, yeah, I've been uh, watching Killing Eve. I was like, it's awesome, isn't mm-hmm. it? She's like, yeah, it's super good. And I was like, okay. I was like, girl, wait, she's using, uh, she's watching on Hulu. So she was only on season one. So then she started, she's like, I, I'm going to start season two tonight. And she texts me uh, on uh, Sunday as I'm leaving. I'm literally getting on the plane to come home. And she sends me a text. She's like, I started season two, episode one. And, like, they're at the point where they're like, hey, you got to turn your phone off, you know, because mm-hmm. you want to take off. And I was like, oh, I wanted to, like, be like, yo, season two, episode one, you're in for a doozy. You know, oh, <laughs> because it, it is. It's like the show, like, the show talks about obsession because it's the mm-hmm. obsession between those two characters, um, Villanelle and Eve. But then as a fan, like, if you like the show, you're obsessed with it, too. Like, I haven't, yeah. I have yet to meet anybody who's a fan of the show that isn't obsessed with the show like wanting to know what the hell is going on like just obsessed like super super obsessed well the thing of it is there's so many ways it can go because you've got mi6 involved in it you've got mi5 you've got carolyn who is definitely hbic okay and Uh you don't really know what the hell is going on you think Uh you do but then all at Uh once you throw this damn twist in there and you have no idea Yeah, they and, turn on it. They turn on your head so fast, and all your theories and stuff is just like, oh well, that, there goes all that. Now mm-hmm. I got to come up with some new shit. Like, yeah, um, I, I feel now. I mean, you know, I I thought about putting her on my list, but I, I I'm sorry, I only have room for one assassin. I I know, I know. Um, and but it was close. It was very close, close. like super super close. Um, but I feel like I feel like if person of interest would have been saved and put on like a cable network mm-hmm. i think root would have been more like villadel um, look th- it my head I can, if we're writing let's 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 just throw a fan fiction out here root and villanelle they got their assassin training from the same place because we still don't really know where villanelle got hers my god you need like yeah damn i really like i wish i had time to write fan fiction because i would totally steal that idea and break some shit down because i'm already like I'm already creating scenarios in my head right now. See, you know what? We need to create a comic book. Like, some of our, we can, if we, like, I, I can draw, but not well enough to, like, create, like, mm-hmm. a comic book of some sort. Because that would be awesome. Like, they both attended the same League of Shadows type yeah. <laughs> assassin school. They were, they Hell were, yes. Look, they were both in there together. They were like, you know what? You go, they probably hooked up a time or two. And, you know, Root ends up in the U.S. Villanelle I ends was... up over in Paris. And you know what? They probably send each other fucking postcards. She's like, girl, guess what Shaw did this week? Girl, you ain't gonna believe what Eve's doing. I mean, come on. I would <laughs> say the only change I would make is I feel like Villanelle is too nuts for Root to deal with because they're, mm-hmm. they're a little too similar in certain aspects. True. Um, so I would say no to the hookup, but the friendship. <laughs> I feel like the friendship, I can get behind the bro TP. See, this, this is what I feel like. The hookup would have happened, and then they would have realized, oh, we both... Then they bro TP'd. Okay, yeah. I can get behind that. I can get behind that. Yeah, I can see that happening. Yeah, I would have them hook up, then bro TP. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, ooh, <laughs> you know what? We're going to write season three right now. So, you know how... <laughs> how, how uh, well, Sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert for Killing Eve season two. If you haven't finished watching it, sorry. Um... Uh, Villanelle's on the run, right? Sure. She's is. like, yo, in a, in according, in according to our headcanon, Root is alive. 
God damn it. 100%. Um, so she's like, yo, you got a place for me to crash? So and she pops up in New York. Boop. There it is. Somebody <laughs> write that shit. I, imagine, I mean, imagine Shaw having to deal with two roots. Oh Just my God. <laughs> the hilarity that would ensue from that. I, I, oh my God. I wish. I'm telling you, Villanelle, man. This is what happens when you have a vivid imagination. Like, <laughs> oh, wow. Dude, I like want to write that. that that's I'm some, that's some inspirational shit right there. Are you kidding? Man, it, it, Look, it practically writes itself. You've I got mean, an assignment. I've got an assignment because I've still got to write my Rizzoli that's right. and yeah. number one crossover here. Uh, you got that one. Oh, no, you have two. You have that one. And <laughs> um, uh, what was the other one we were talking about? Oh, uh, um, shit. Uh, Kofine and, uh, oh, Supercore. Yeah. Remember? Yeah, Kofine and Supercore. That crossover. Dude, we can, man, if, if there's any fan fiction writers out there, um, who are looking for ideas, we got them. Yeah. Um, we just don't have the time to write them. We so just want to read them. Feel free. I just want to read it. Yeah. I mean, some of the stuff I read is, is phenomenal. So if you guys want to take that and run with it, I am 100% behind it. Um, okay, number two. number two for me is gonna be my girl, Winona Earp. Mm. I freaking love Winona. You, you like, know how hard I had to struggle with whether she was on mine or not. Yeah, Winona. Winona is Winona. I mean, you you <laughs> gotta watch the show to really and truly understand who Winona is. But if you want some kind of reference on kind of how she is. Uh, we use this uh, scenario or this example a lot. If Buffy the Vampire Slayer was on a cable network that allowed you to curse and do other things and it was made today, this would be Winona. I would say she's a combination of Buffy and Faith. This mm-hmm. is, but Winona could be the child of Buffy and Faith. Like there, There's yep. so much of the personalities of both Buffy and Faith in Winona that uh, makes her makes her her. Like Winona, um, you know, of course, it's from Winona Earp. She's, I like, the reason why I love her so much is because she's so flawed. Um, she's, oh. I mean, she's hella flawed. Um, she's brash. She says what she wants. If you don't like it, well, fuck off. Like, that's kind of her mentality. Um, she's very fiercely loyal to the people who are part of her life and her circle, her family. Um, she's just, and she's a complex character too, because there's a lot of shit that she went through that we hadn't seen. It's been hinted at in the show, but we didn't see anything. It hasn't been any flashbacks or any real detailed information about some of the shit she's gone through, um, since she left her home years ago before she came back to Purgatory. Um, but, uh, you know, she's just. And she's so strong, courageous, and like very admirable in those senses of you know those characteristics. Um, and I am super excited for season four because I want to see when Winona's world truly falls apart, aka Waverly yeah. being taken. I I am curious to see, and I, I'm excited too because the character arc that's about to happen with Winona and Nicole. Uh, with those two having their, you know, their mutual being taken from them, that's going to be some TV goal right there. Like, I I feel like next season, if they don't get, they need awards. Like, I, I, can, mm-hmm. I can feel like, I mean, I, I can just feel it in my bones because this, they literally took 
the one thing that kept her, that keeps her grounded. And they took it from her. And now she's got to go and fight to get it back. And she has no powers because the curse is ended. So now she has to do this literally on her own. She's got the sword. She don't even have Peacemaker. Fucking Peacemaker turned to a damn sword. Yeah, Peacemaker turned to a sword. So, which, let's face it, that sword is going to be some kind of key. Mind you, it's still Mm -hmm. magical. So, it's, you know, it probably has some magic capabilities. But even when she was wielding that sword, she was still human. Yeah. So, she doesn't have the strength, like, you know, like the Slayer, you Mm -hmm. know, where you have the strength to match fighting the demons. She doesn't have that anymore. So, now, you got a sword... You're human. You don't have any extra strength, extra reflexes, none of that. That's all gone. All you got is this damn sword. You basically, at this point, she's got a toothpick. Like, she, she ain't got nothing really that can help her because, and then two, her supernatural hookup, aka Doc Holiday, he's gone too. Waverly, who's half angel, she's gone, and that's her, that's her, you know, grounder anyway. Mm-hmm. That's gone. So, Watching this whole thing unfold next season is going to be phenomenal because I, especially to watch that, and I want to see how that character arc is going to go because you know Winona has grown over the last three seasons, but again, like we said, she's still fatally flawed. She still has a lot of flaws, and you know is a hot mess. Well, that's why we love Winona though, Mm -hmm. is because she is so flawed. Like she's definitely it's more realistic. She's a hero, but she's the anti-hero too. Like. She didn't want this job. She just, yeah. just got thrust upon her. She didn't have a choice in it. Mm-hmm. And, girl, I'm with you. The goodness that we're going to get from, yeah. you know, Nicole and Winona together, shit. Y'all know that's my bro TP. That's Ashley's yes. too. We know this. Mm-hmm. Um, we will get angsty bro TP. That's going to be juicy yeah, as hell. They're going to both be frustrated as fuck because Waverly is gone. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to be left with the other one who, let's face it, we know they trust each other because... You know, when Winona had Alice, who did she trust to get Alice out of there? Nicole. Like, she knows Nicole is solid. Nicole is good. But I think we're also going to see that. I think maybe we're going to see a crack in Nicole and, and, oh, yeah. in season four because, you know, where did that strength come from? What made her there? She had the love of her life and now that shit's gone. So, Winona, I, I support this choice, girl. I love Winona. Um, it was just, I, I knew we would get her in there and I was like, oh. Where did yeah. I put her on my list? She would definitely be in there, though. Yeah, why not, man? She's just, like I said, just the, the courage that she portrays and, like, just, it, she's probably, out of all the people on my list, she's a more realistic, I think, and more relatable one mm-hmm. because a lot of the things that she faces in, uh, you know, why not Earth, the show itself is very metaphorical, so there's a lot of symbolism. Yep. Um, and metaphors in the show, and you know, it, it's a show about fighting demons, and you know, I know has got a lot of them. Um, whether they be the actual revenant, the physical representation of demons, or the emotional, mental ones that she has to deal with, and you know, out of all the, the people on my list, um, she's the more, I, to me, I feel she's the most relatable one because you know, it, she represents the strength that you need to fight your own demons. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about this in our Wine on the Earth episode, how much like, this character in the show has, has changed people's lives and even our own. So, Wine um, I mean, like I said, that's a definite number two. Um, she's, she's, and she's just awesome. And she's funny as fuck, y'all. Like, Girl, I mean, so, we'll get so off the serious track for a second. My love yeah. of sarcasm uh-huh. and yeah. a bit naughty humor. Yeah. Wine on a fucking Earth, people. 
Mm-hmm. That woman oh, yeah. has can deliver a line one liner like I mean that's some Julia Sugarbaker stuff going on right there. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it will. It, we we like to end things on a happier note, but her comedy is is just gold. Mel, Melanie Scarfata, like her timing when it comes to the the lines that they mm-hmm. they've given her um, and how she delivers them is just perfect. And then of course it's a testament to the writers for writing the jokes to give her um, because it's just it's freaking funny, man. Um, so, you know, if you haven't watched it, if you're listening to this, you probably have watched whatever. If you haven't watched the show, watch the show. Uh, Netflix, seasons one through three, right? Yeah. One yep. to three are on Netflix now. Um, and then, of course, season four, we will be seeing summer of next year. Next year. Um, so, to that. But uh, I think, uh, where are we at? You did your number two yet? Yeah, Villanelle was my number two. Oh, that's right. All right. Um, all right. So, we got honorable mentions. Um Annette, who's your first honorable mention? My honorable mention, because this is this is the thing where, when we were making this list, I was like, "Oh shit, did we go with TV? Did we go with movie?" So my first honorable mention is from when I was a little four or five year old. Is Shira, you know, the Princess of Power? I mean, this was the first time I can remember seeing a woman that could, you know, that she was tough. You know, it wasn't that I knew she was an ass kicker or anything, but she was tough. You know, and yeah, definitely she was a babe. I'm not going to lie there. Um, she was definitely <laughs> drawn by men. But at the same time, you know, she she was she was the twin sister of He-Man. So her real name's Adora. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Girl, I'm about to educate you. Don't worry. I'll bring um, all the DVDs with me to Klexicon next year. Okay. But uh, because my sister just gifted me those. Oh, nice. <laughs> Apparently they came out October 1st. Um but anyway, so they were twins, but they were separated at birth. Um, not, you know, not to get too far into this mythology because we could go all day. But um, anyway, um, she ends up coming back into the picture. And she ends up, you know, she were a princess of power, but she's just regular Adora. But she also, this is kind of, the as I was going over our list and kind of seeing this, this was kind of like the first introduction, I guess, into my life of fam family. Because she had, like, Bo, who wasn't related to her, which was her best yeah. friend. Um, and then, you know, she had all these other, quote-unquote, princesses of power. Um, and then, of course, you know, her nemesis, Catra, which... Oh, yeah. And I'm going to be honest with you. I love my 1980s cartoon. And I was... Look, I was jaded when Netflix said they were bringing it back. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't like this artist style. I don't like this. I don't like that. But then I also had to realize that it is, you know, 2018, 2019... Kids are into different animation than you were. Yeah. And so I, I won't lie. I started it as a guy's. I was like, come on, press. And my little niece is like, let's let's watch Shebra here. You know, I ended up, I do like the new iteration of it. Um, I've actually already watched the first two seasons. So yeah, Shebra, all iterations of it. I love it. I just, um, she was. She always stood up for the little person. And this is a thing. There's a documentary I'm going to throw out there and we'll link to this because it'll get into way more detail than I can in these few minutes I've got. It's The Power of Grayskull. And it's on Netflix right now. And it's the history of how Masters of the Universe, so He-Man, and then She-Ra, Princess of Power, how they became what they are. She-Ra is my animated honorable mention there. Yeah, that, that's a good, I mean, that's a good one. I, I watched the... Um... I don't, I don't remember watching the 80s cartoon. Uh, I probably did. My uncle, um, I have an uncle who's 15 years older than me. 
Um, he uh, introduced me to basically pop culture, being nerdy, that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I watched it with him at some point because I do remember He-Man. Yeah. Um, so I probably did at some point, but well, I, I just don't remember the 80s she cartoon. She was created because um, when He-Man came out and then they finally did the cartoon, they figured out with the Nielsen ratings and everything that 33% of the viewers watching He-Man were us little girls. I don't remember watching He-Man. Mm -hmm. You know, and so they're wow. like, why don't we give them their own? And so then here comes mm -hmm. Shira. But they yeah, wanted to keep um, it within in the mythology of He-Man. Yeah. Um, so I don't remember the 80s version of She-Ra, but um, I do watch the Netflix one. Um, and I enjoy it. Like, I, I, it's not my favorite cartoon right now, but right. Um, I do watch it when, when the seasons, the new seasons come out. I do watch it um, and, uh, and I finish them because uh, it's a good story. Um, and, uh, you know, it's. It is a modern take on She-Ra, and I actually yes. like it. Like, it's, it's, yeah. you know, usually when you have stuff from, like, your childhood and they try to do a, you know, a modern take on it because, you know, back in the day it wasn't politically correct to say some of the shit that they said and that kind of stuff. And, like, while I get why they do that because, you know, the political climate and everything that we live in now, it, it ruins it a little bit for me. Um, yes. But I like the inter this version of it because they they did some subtle changes where it doesn't overshadow. I'm assuming doesn't overshadow the '80s version because I haven't heard anything bad said about it. The doesn't, new and I've seen people that have complained about the new version, and mm. it's mostly dude bros. Let's get real because oh, they yeah. want the babe she were back. Well, this one is created more or less. You know, it is created for the kids. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's got it's got some great lessons in it. And that was one thing I think people forget is like back when I was a kid, you know, Shira and He-Man always ended with these dorky little messages. Today yeah. He-Man learned or today Shira learned, you know, mm -hmm. it was those type of things because there was some shit that they had to go through that that documentary, man. It'll open your eyes. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, Shira just even more so like Wonder Woman. I love Wonder Woman. Let's get real. But that TV show was before my time. I watched it in reruns. So I was more into She-Ra. Like, as a kid, I was She-Ra two years in a row for Halloween. And, you know, it was oh. those stupid little plastic outfits, <laughs> you oh. know, that you smothered to death in. But, yeah, She-Ra, I mean, between She-Ra and Georgia Sugarbaker, that's what got me through the 80s, I think. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. I mean, no, it's, uh, like I said, I... I watch the new one i like the new one i like what they're doing with it and i mean it's yeah it's for kids but it's not either like some of the jokes and stuff that they i'm like um it's it's just like, like pretty much any of the other cartoons they're are mm -hmm. made for kids to watch but there's things in there that only adults will get you know yeah mm -hmm. yeah because some of that stuff i'm like oh okay that's 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 like, what oh, okay. all right like that uh what was the name of that horse the talking horse Swift one. Swiftwind. Like, some of the shit he would say, I'm like, yo, uh, this is not for children at all. Um, yes, Swiftwind uh, has the best lines in the show. Yeah. Um, so, um, she's a good pick, man. I I, I got another one for, for me, too. It's uh, another animated um, one as well. And uh, I'm going with... It was hard. I, I had to choose between two very strong characters um from the same universe uh it's from the last airbender but i had to go with my girl azula from the last airbender avatar the last airbender uh, cartoon that was on uh, nickelodeon um 
the most recent iteration was uh, The Legend of Korra, um, which in, I'm pretty sure if you listen to the show, you know about Korasami. So, yeah. Um, but I had Azula edge out Korra just a smidge because Azula, has she, sorry, spoiler alert, Annette, uh, had she That's not okay. gone cuckoo? Uh, she she wreck some some serious carnage. Um, she actually is a bad guy uh, from the show, um, and she gives the Avatar a run for his money. Like I mean, she comes in at the end of season one. So the the bad guy for the the show itself is the Fire Nation, and she is the daughter of the Fire Lord, who basically is a tyrant who has just been basically throwing the world out of balance and the avatar is the one that brings the world into balance. And so um, at the end of season one, Prince Zuko, her Azula's brother is chasing the avatar because he was told by his father, the only way he'll be welcomed back into um, fire nation is if he kills the avatar. So he's chasing the avatar and he needlessly doesn't succeed. So the dad is like, all right, I'm going to activate my super weapon, AKA my crazy ass daughter, Azula. And so the end of season one, she's activated and she becomes the antagonist for our band of heroes. And uh, she, y'all, her fight scene, this is a cartoon, okay? A car freaking tune. And her fight scenes, like, she does this, like, one, like, freaking break dance fighting fire kick. And, and, like, she's so nuts, her fire is blue. Like, that's how hot-headed she is and how crazy she is her fire is blue not red um everybody else you see in the show who's fire nation person has red fire except for her um and she can redirect lightning she can channel lightning like this bitch is just badass um and then she even creates her own team of baddies who are even as badass as she is um so she's if you've seen the show you know exactly what I'm talking about because she's just she's amazing. Korra is amazing too. She's the Avatar um, in the more recent iteration, um, but Azula just just barely edged her out, mostly because I didn't like season one Korra. So that was that was the difference. That's what kind of teetered Azula over to make the list was because I didn't really care for season one Korra. Seasons two and three of Legend of Korra is is fantastic, um, but uh, season one I didn't, I didn't really care for. It. But anyway, Azula. That's my that's one of my that's my cartoon honorable mention mm-hmm. uh, for this list. All right, hit him with your last honorable mention, Annette. My honorable mention, and this one is uh, brand new, and I know for without a doubt, if this continues the way it is, this character is going to be in my top five. I don't know who she's going to edge out, but she's wow. going to be. Wow! Wow! That's, that's yeah. a big big top, my friend. That's it a big is top. Dex Perios from Stumptown. Um started this fall abc it's kobe smolders it is based on a graphic novel by greg rucka who had done quite a lot of our favorites let's be honest but um she is a private investigator she is very much the anti-hero hero and let me tell you something dex is a hot hot mess she was a she was in the marines uh she came back she's suffering with ptsd um she's caring for her brother who has down syndrome and, you know, she's kind of got this, she has no family other than Ansel, which is her brother. And she kind of just falls into this PI thing because, you know, she's just doing anything she can to get some money. And she kind of figures out, hey, I've got some pretty good instincts, pretty good at this. Um, and 
she ends up what it falls into is because her well i'm going i don't want to spoil this but it's just going to happen um you hear a lot about benny which was at one point was her boyfriend almost her fiance until his family talked um him out of it and then he followed her into the marines and he ended up getting killed in afghanistan so this is definitely she's a tortured soul because of this so his mother gets her because she's gambling his mother is native american owns a casino you know they're in portland oregon this is why it's called stop town and um anyway the dex is in there drinking gambling i mean she's okay she is bisexual and they do not cover it up by any means um naturally in the pilot we only see her sleep with a dude but when she's looking for a booty call she calls up sarah who if sarah would have only answered that fucking phone but (laughs) um so anyway the casino owner sue lynn um her granddaughter goes missing and she just goes to deck she's like i need you because i need somebody i can trust so she you know goes into this case and it is a hilarity of uh, misfortunes but it's also it's there's real stakes but it's just it's funny it's a good time um our friend natalie this is what i got she's already watching it and she's in, all in with me for me, Dex is a combination of three of my favorite characters. So Dex has the sarcasm and the instincts of what I would say, you know, probably Jane Rizzoli, um, but, and that, you know, Angie Harmon. So then there is also um, the other character I refer to would be, she has the moves of Lindsay Boxer, which was another Angie Harmon character. And, I, you know, I saw her handcuff a dude underwater one time. But she has the wardrobe, the brashness, and just the, well, you can go fuck yourself attitude of one Miss Jordan Cavanaugh. So she is this combination of these three that I thoroughly love. And I just, I mean, two episodes in, and I'm ready to risk it all. Like, this is my thing. I was like, this is absolutely the best fucking show of the fall. I mean, that's some some big talk, my friend. I'm telling you, dude. Dex, I'm I am all in on Dex. Dex You're is sold, going to huh? be okay. yes, 100% sold. I'm okay. telling you, watch wow. this. Like I said, I've only got two episodes. They're both great. Oh, and also just I need to throw this in there. Cameron Mannheim is also in the show. I love her. Control. Cameron Mannheim, I love her, but she has been harassing my queers for a <laughs> long time. You know, oh my God. She started with shade. Awesome. Yeah. She started with shade on L word. And then here she came after, you know, she was fucking control and person of interest, antagonizing my root and even Shaw. And then here she is picking on my little bisexual decks. I'm like, Cameron, I need you to cool your shit. So, um, so stop town. Okay. Yeah. Um, Watch it. Dex, I'm telling you, you're going to watch it. You can watch it for free on Hulu. You don't have to have ABC. You can stream it free on Hulu. Uh, I haven't watched it yet. Um, Annette, yeah, she... (laughs) She's been very excited about this one, you guys. So this this week or last week, she was like, guys, you need to watch it. And I'm like, Ooh, kind of waiting to see, you know, if, if, do I need to, to get another show? You know how you teeter. You kind of teeter okay, on what, what star new show or, or whatever. So, um, but she's if she's willing to knock off one of her five, I, I think I need to investigate this and mm-hmm. uh, see what the hoopla is about. But yeah. Uh, Good choice. All right. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I'll see if, if I agree or disagree at some point, but uh, okay. I'm, I'm neutral at this point. 
Um, my last honorable mention. Now, I, I had a wrestler uh, on my top five, uh, mostly for childhood influential aspects, but um, I have another one, and this has been my recent obsession. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's probably like, oh my god, if she sends me one more goddamn photo, <laughs> I'm gonna lose it. <laughs> it's okay, I support your obsession. But, but my newest wrestling obsession, and actually has brought me back into the fold. I haven't, y'all, I have not watched wrestling probably since about 2002. No, three. Since 2003. So it's been about 16 years. I haven't watched wrestling in 16 years. Okay. I left because it got cheesy, corny, and I became a teenager and life. Anyway, um, but Sasha Banks from mm-hmm. WWE. I have never, like, she gives me, like, those Lita Trish vibes from yesteryear, but, like, way more athletic. Um, and she recently has done a heel turn, which is actually what attracted me in the first place, was her heel turn. Um, she's always been a, kind of like a, a, a baby face slash heel. She did, like, a whole baby face arc and all this stuff. Um, but her heel turn. I'm like, this is actually something that could be successful. And I'm really hoping the WWE does not fuck her over and squash this before it really has a chance to, to gain legs. Because, I mean, Becky Lynch, like, so Becky Lynch, everybody knows who that is at this point. Even if you don't watch wrestling, you probably know mm-hmm. who she is. Um, you know, and I, it, she's, she's a good wrestler. Like, I, you know, props and everything. I even have one of her pops sitting on my shelf right now. Like, the man persona is awesome. Like, I want to get a t-shirt that says the man, but while she's feuding with Sasha, I just, I can't do it. You can't do it. Um, I can't do it. Um, my, my loyalty side with Sasha. But anyway, um, you know, from what I understand, and I've been doing a lot of research over the last few weeks, there hasn't really been anybody to challenge Becky Lynch as far as, like, somebody with the same caliber of wrestling ability, um, character, you know, feuding ability, and they brought Sasha back. And this heel turn is just, it's phenomenal. Like, it, it fits her so well. Like, she's probably a super nice person in real life. But she's doing such a great job with this heel persona. And I am 100% here for it. She even got her best friend to turn heel, which, again, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm behind it. Like, I love the Boss Club connection heel turn situation. But I just really hope that they give her, they allow Becky Lynch to lose the title. Um, because it'll make for a better story and you can prolong it. Like if she loses this weekend, if Sasha loses this weekend, then there's no, there's no more story. Like you can't, you, you can't continue to drag this out if she keeps losing every single week. Becky Lynch needs to lose and then fight to get her title back. If you want Becky Lynch to be a face, then that's what you need to do. Give Sasha the title and let her have a title reign for a little bit. And furthermore, um, you know, it, we, yeah, so yeah, we, we keep it real on the show. It would be nice to see another person of color have a title reign that lasts longer than, you know, 27 days, 90 days. Like, you know, times have changed. Like, like we people want to see that kind of stuff. Like I, you know, I grew up watching wrestling and there wasn't that much representation for me on that on wrestling shows. Like, again, a lot of the people of color, women of color that had title reigns, they didn't last long. Um, So it would be nice to see her have a substantial title reign. And again, if you want a good story and you want Becky to be the face of the company and to be this baby face, you know, person, have her struggle to get it back. Like, 
that's that's that is the struggle between a heel and a baby face when it comes to wrestling. If you've watched any type of wrestling, you know the formula. When you have a feud, you have a baby face, you have a heel, and in order to get the baby face over, you need to drag out the story as long as you can, but they have mm-hmm. to have some kind of adversity. And it would be nice to see Sasha actually get the title and be that adversity for Becky Lynch because it would make it way more interesting. Because she's literally lost every match since starting this feud, and I think it's bullshit. But anyway, um, so my honorable mention, Sasha Banks, I freaking love her. I love it. She's so athletic. Like, I got to see her live oh, yeah. uh, Monday. You've got to talk about that, girl. Yeah, oh my god. I got to live a childhood dream of going to a live wrestling event. I went to WWE Raw live this past Monday. It was here in Phoenix. And I I mean, I just literally reverted to being a, a 10-year-old girl, 11-year-old girl all over again, just watching and seeing how athletic these, these people are. And then I got to see Sasha. I mean, I, I have to admit, I sent her like 17 videos uh, on Monday night. And it's photos. okay, girl. You even um, had Hulk Hogan in there. I was like, yeah, shit, right. look at that. I, I, I totally fangirled for a second when the Hulk music started. Ric Flair was there. Like, it was just literally like just being a kid all over again. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And I want to go back. But next time I go back, I want to be on the floor. Like, I want to be like down by the ring and, you know, could see everything and taking better you. photos and everything so um but yeah Sasha Banks um if you guys haven't been checking her stuff out and like even her old matches like this chick is talented y'all I mean I saw her back in hell it's been almost a year ago and but this was before the heel turn you know I'd taken my nephew to wrestling and yeah like I I remember her her and Bailey both I mean they were actually fighting each other what I saw yeah I mean like it's crazy I mean and like so there's four Sasha Bailey uh, the man, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte Flair, who's the daughter of Ric Flair. Yes, that Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. Um, they are so talented. And, like, a lot of the women on the roster are very talented. Do not get me wrong. Yeah. They're not the only ones. But they are they are just one step above the rest of the crew. And there's some other ones that are coming up that are, are phenomenally talented as well. But they just haven't quite had that, that character that quite sells just yet, yeah. you know? Um, they haven't hit that mark for that opportunity. Exactly. Yeah, and it so it's gonna be interesting to watch. Um, like I said, sixteen years. This this heifer brought me back after being gone for sixteen <laughs> years. Sixteen years, and I'm back watching wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'm, you know, friggin' a teenager again. Like it's, I mean, and I and I've been enjoying it. Like I, I would prefer her to win a little bit more. And they do a little bit better with her story. And I'm again in the back of my mind, I'm very afraid that they're not gonna drop a belt to her. But we'll see. Um, but yeah, that's my that's my honorable mention. Um, and I guess now let's roll into our tops, man. Let's see. Right. What do you got? Number one. What is number your number one? one? This is this is the top, the cream of the crop yeah. of our lists, people. This is this is my top five. And like I said, we uh we didn't make a stipulation where, like, they can be straight, they can be queer. It doesn't matter what they identify as. These are just our top five or top yep. five female. And my number one, Jordan Cavanaugh from Crossing Jordan. Yes. I mean, I love this woman. It's the show. Many of you probably don't know this show, to be honest with no. you. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from, it started 2001, so I was, you know, 21, just in my early 20s. I went for six seasons into 2007. And this is where I would say my love of the outspoken. Well, no, we know Julia started that, but um, oh. Jordan didn't care what you thought of her. She really didn't. 
um, she was a mess. You know, she wasn't put together like some of the others. Um, she was actually, she's a medical examiner. Shows takes place in Boston, but the opening scene we see is she's in a fucking anger, anger management class in Santa Monica in L.A. Because she knocked her boss out while she was, you know, doing an autopsy on somebody. And they reprimanded her to go get this anger management. And in these first few minutes, she, we learned that she, um, her mother was killed when she was 10 years old, a brutal murder. Um, she was left to be raised by her dad alone on a cop's salary. Um, and the whole thing about Jordan is she became this medical examiner because the cops were never able to solve her mother's murder. And she didn't want anybody else to have to go through that. And she wanted to be able, she always thought that she would be able to solve her mother's murder. So that's why, you know, she became this medical examiner. So, you know, she loses the job in LA. So this gets her back to Boston and where she's going to, you know, work in the medical examiner's office there. And she, she cares for me. Like you saw, you got to see somebody that she cared so much for everybody, but didn't really love herself enough to care for herself. in a lot, a lot of times, you know, she would put whatever she needed or whatever she wanted to the side to be able to, you know, she would go that extra mile. She would interfere in fucking police investigations to be able to solve a murder, you know, or she would get a case that they ruled a suicide or, it was natural causes, and she would be the one that could figure out, uh, no, actually, they were poisoned, or no, actually, this was a murder. You know, she would figure all this out, um, and she was, like, I don't know, she was just so casual, so um, she was highly intelligent. To be such a mess, she was so intelligent. Yeah. I remember, and this is in, the, like, the opening credits of every episode you'll watch. You'll see her. She's walking through the airport. She's got two suitcases on her arms and a guitar. And then, you know, one of the suitcases falls and all of her clothes falls out. She just leaves her shit on the ground and just keeps walking. She's like, well, fuck that. I didn't need it anyway. And that was another thing. Like, Jordan, Jordan, you know, she could she could use, you know, language. She didn't have a problem, you know, being foul-mouthed. Um, but oh. she just, oh, I just, this show, it's, there's so many layers to her. You know, you have the trauma from when she was a kid. You have the wanting to be able to solve everything. So it's, you know, that perfect mentality. Um, she always pushes her little personal life to the side until Woody comes along. Oh, um, Woody. I know, I do love Woody. And then, you know, this group that's in this Emmy's office with her, they're all kind of like these little ragtag. They're the oddballs because they're working on dead people. Let's face it. There's, you know, Garrett and Bug and Nigel. And then, you know, I know another one of our favorites, Lily, played by the yes. incredible Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn, yes! So, oh Sorry, you a know, lot of people only know her from, like, Step, step was it Step Brothers? Yeah, Step Brothers. Yeah. Um, but no, no, no. No, no, no. Let's give props or props are due. That's right. She was, Jordan. she was our own Lily. But these people are really the ones that, again, it comes into that finding your, finding your group, finding your family. Like, these people in that office you know, they become her family, you know, like she doesn't kind of want to have anything to do with them. But over the course of the seasons, these are the people that she becomes closest to. And, you know, she's always and her dad, her and her dad have a very complicated relationship, even though, you know, he she was raised by him. Um, there's still some things that she just questions about that night her mother died. Um, and I'm not going to spoil it because I will go ahead and tell you these are every season. 
These are a little harder to find than anything else on our list. But every season of Crossing Jordan is up on Amazon Prime. You do not have to pay as long as you have Prime. Um, but yeah, this show, this is the first time, like, I, I remember watching shows growing up, you know. But this is the first time I remember just loving a show. Just mm-hmm. absolutely loving it, you know. And maybe it was because I was in my early 20s and I was paying more attention to TV. I don't know. But, and I mean, Joe Hennessy, who plays uh, Jordan, is absolutely, yeah, like, Jill, I I remember my first introduction to Jill, and that was Law and Order. She was Claire Kincaid. Mm -hmm. But Claire, Claire's not quite the character that what Jordan is. No. But, you know, that that is what kept me following Jill is because, oh, okay, I really like this girl. I will admit, I, this, I had a fangirl moment. I actually got to meet her. And <laughs> it was accidental. And, yeah, I actually did tell her I loved her. And you know what? She was so cool with it. She didn't have a problem with it. Like, she stood there. She chatted. Natalie was with me, thank God. Oh. And, um, you know, we, we got to chat for a little while. And, you know, she's doing more music now than what she does acting. And um, she's got some great albums and all. But, yeah, Jordan, Jordan is what just made me absolutely love her without a doubt and if you get a chance check it out um like i said i know you watched it ashley that was one of the first things when you found out i didn't know anybody else watched crossing jordan really i, I really did i it's okay so i used to watch crossing jordan with my mom um my mom watched it and like i don't know i just sat down and decided to watch it with her one day fell in love with it so we watched that weekly you know together and um so I, you know, for years and years and years after the show went off the air, I was like, I must have been like the only person my age that watched that show. <laughs> um, and then we got to talking one day, me, uh, Natalie and Annette were talking, were texting, and um, uh, Jillian is on uh, City on a Hill, which also has mm-hmm. Sarah Johnny in it. So we got to talk about that. And they were like, oh yeah, Jill Hennessy. And I was like, Jill Hennessy? I was like, Crossing Jordan's on that show? And then they were like, yeah, girl. And I was like, wait, you guys watched Crossing Jordan? They're like, yeah, yeah we did. And I was like, oh my God, I thought I was the only person that ever, like, like young person that ever watched that show. Because it, it's not like, I mean, because that was during the era of, you know, CSIs and, mm-hmm. you know, all of the, like, more popular um, murder shows, murder cop shows, you know? Um, yeah. So I didn't think anybody else watched it, you know? Like, I, I just thought I was just an old soul and I was like, well, I mean, and, you know, one more thing before we wrote, but it's like those lines, like, you know, she just would pull that shit. And I remember this one to this day. You remember Trey? He was he was the black guy that was in the Emmy, Emmy's office. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. right. And it was Mercer Ali, who is, you know, now this huge yeah. fucking Oscar winning mm-hmm. actor. And, you know, I remember Jordan's just bopping into the uh, locker room, which she thought was the women's locker room. It turns out it was the dude's locker room and you know she's all naked or whatever and he's just kind of like he's just kind of stunned looking at her or whatever and they had had this her and Trey had had this run-in earlier where she thought he was asking her out and she he's like no it's just that I'm the new dude you're the new girl I thought we could get along he's like because you know I don't date white women and so when this towel drops in front of him and he can't even breathe she goes so tell me again why you don't date white women and like the boy can't say nothing like I, I mean like she just nobody could get one up on her. That's what I love. Yeah, so Jordan always had zero fucks to give. Like that's it. When it, when it came to like fucks. most things, like 
when it was like her own kind of personal life, then she did, mm-hmm. you know, she had like two fucks to give, but like yep. in general, she has zero fucks to give. And which we love about her. And then also, okay, so you know how we talked earlier about uh, crossovers? Yep. Uh, Rizzoli and Isles and Crossing Jordan. You know right? my, my head canon on this. You that know. Shit, I mean, it, it, again, it writes itself. Jordan and Jane went to school together. They mm-hmm. grew up together. Um, Jordan, they separate, you know, went their separate ways. And after uh, Jordan got fired in L.A., comes back to Boston, she's now the nighttime uh Emmy, you know, because Maura works days and mm-hmm. uh Jordan works nights and boom, crossover. It's, I'm telling it's you, like this right shit down. would be so good. Because there's so Jane, I mean it's all both of it takes place in Boston. So this was an easy reach for us. Mm-hmm. But Jane and Jordan are so similar. Like honestly, Jane, I, I had to do some fighting to figure out because Jane probably should have really been on this list, but I was like, hmm. No, I'm spending my entire life, so I can't just put, you know, the most recent shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, now, Crossing Jordan, I mean, clearly I agree. Yeah. Um, so, Jordan Cavanaugh, I, that's my original hot mess love right there. God, I love her. Thumbs up, Jordan Cavanaugh, Crossing Jordan. Y'all watch the show, it's really good. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, just All right. All right. You gotta give me, you got one more. I know what it is, but, you know, maybe they don't know. I mean, if you don't know, then you don't know anything about me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, my number one, and I've said this in a previous episode, matter of fact, our very first episode, I think, yeah, first episode um, of I Could Ship It, is my all-time favorite character. And I'm talking male, female, Mm -hmm. animal, all-time favorite character is Root from Mm -hmm. First. Like, you guys... I freaking love her. Like, when I uh, talked about fangirl moments, when I met Amy Acker uh, last year, I literally almost passed out. Like, I was sweating. <laughs> I could barely breathe. Like, I fangirled so hard. And it's and I, I know it's she's not rude. Like, obviously, you know, I'm not stupid. But just, like, because I loved her character so much. And I even told her, I was like, oh, my God, you're like, your character, it's like my all-time favorite character. Like, I mean, just... And I, I don't lose my cool like that very often, but when I do, it's just, it's just, it's just, you know, disastrous. But Root, I mean, Annette hit pretty much everything that I was going to say earlier. Um, yeah, this I is mean, why her, I held back a little because I knew she was coming up. I knew. Her, her character is just, it's just phenomenal. Like, she's a psycho committed to her crazy. That's another yeah. t-shirt I can make. Um, committed to her crazy. And just all around badass genius chick, and like some of the her badass moments, like we didn't even cover in some of our old our previous episodes where Annette talked about. It. Like there's just one part, season five, which ugh, season oh, five, Jesus. but season five had a lot of root showing the skills that she had, even though mm-hmm. regardless of the death bullshit, she um, did. She ain't dead, but like. Just like the skill that she had that we didn't initially see the first four seasons, like it was hinted at, but you didn't see it really and truly without the help of the machine. And in season five, she doesn't have the help of the machine. So it's like, yo, you're on your own and you are still a badass without the machine directing your every move and stuff. Um, So there's a part where uh, it's in the episode that shall not be named. Mm -hmm. Um, she takes this freaking sniper rifle 
gets out. She puts her hands. Wait, first she asks for a hair tie. Okay, yeah. now you know when a you know a chick is about her business when she asks for a hair tie. Okay, yep. Ask for a hair tie. Harold gives her a hair tie. She ties her hair back. She's still driving. There is a freaking minigun practically shooting at them as they're trying to avoid the bad guys. And she pops open the sunroof. She wiggles her way out. She's like, hey, can you hand me the whatever gun? Harold hands her this, this sniper rifle. She is driving with her feet. She's literally <laughs> steering with one foot and then foot, accelerating yeah. with the other. And while doing all of this, okay, I'm not accelerating, she put it on cruise control, but she's steering with one foot, bracing herself with the other foot on the dashboard, sticking out of the sunroof, aiming this sniper rifle at this car, this speeding car, hits it, and then slides back down into the car as like amateurs, and then takes the hair tie off and continues to drive. Like, <laughs> and she's going on about her day. Yeah, like it was nothing. Like, there was gum on her shoe. Like, it was just... Super simple, super, I mean, it, that was probably, like, one of the best, like, badass scenes for Root. But, like, just in general, her character was just so cool, how they introduced this villain that, you know, we knew nothing about, that just randomly popped up one episode and then continued to be a staple throughout the, the, the next season and a half before she becomes a part of the, the team machine. And then, um, you know, just... It's freaking root, man. Like I, I could talk about her all day long. And then, oh. like a testament to Amy Acker's acting, mm -hmm. like the facial expressions and the body language and the fact that she's such a chameleon. Like there's a scene in uh, season four, I believe, where <laughs> Root knocks this chick out because they look alike. She knocks her out in a New York dark little corner, takes her clothes smooths out her clothes and then walks into this building that this woman just came out of. And the security guard does not realize that's not the same person. No. No, no. <laughs> just a smooth transition, just walks right to the front door like there is nothing wrong. And it's just she's just awesome. Like, she's just freaking And bad. the lines that she gets. Let's the one-liners. Oh, my God. Like, some of the stuff that she gets to say and do... And then the fact that she is, she just basically just detests really anybody that's not Shaw. Yeah. Um, like, the, if, if it's not Shaw, she don't have time for you. Yeah, she really doesn't. Um, and, like, how she makes fun of John all the time, calling mm -hmm. him a lurch. Or, like, <laughs> you know, helper monkey. Or, you know, some insulting quip of some sort. Like, she's just, she's just awesome. And then, like, there's another, um, one of my all-time favorite scenes of hers. I think it's probably my number one is when she is at the psych hospital mm -hmm. and she, she tells the doctor about himself and she's like, mm -hmm. she's like, um, yeah, you cheated on every standardized test you've ever had. You're only the 75th smartest person in this building. Uh, she, like there's, there's a YouTube video where you can actually see this rant of hers. And she's like telling him, you know, you better give me my phone back because if you don't, I'm having a conversation with the machine and she's trying to convince me not to kill you. Mm -hmm. And I'm not really there yet. So <laughs> like, it, and like really and truly those scenes in the mental hospital are probably my, like in my top 10 favorite scenes for Ruth. Um, because that the next time we see her in the mental hospital, it's time for her to leave because the assassin's coming to get her. And she starts describing the plan to the doctor. And the doctor is just like, what the fuck? I know and they all think she's crazy, but she's not. I mean, she is, like, 
but yeah, she's yeah. not. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> she is, but she's not. And then like her face when she's like, "Do you hear how quiet it is out there?" Because he's not believing her. Yeah. And he's she's like, "Do you hear how quiet it is out there?" Are you are you excited about this as, as much as I am? Like Amy, just real calm. <laughs> and then like because Amy Acker is able to train her face the way that she does. It's like, if you didn't know any better, you'd have thought that shit was real. Like, mm-hmm. she, like, I mean, just the, the character itself, I mean, she's, I mean, you know, I love my flawed characters, but I love the fact that she just has, like, zero fucks to give, except for Bashaw. Um, Maybe, like, one and a half for Harold, um, because I think he's kind of like a weird-ass father figure type right. deal, which I don't, I don't get, but whatever. Um, but, yeah, she's just, I freaking, I love her. I absolutely love her. Um, and, I mean, Annette knows my obsession. Speaking of yeah, obsession, I mean, we, Ursula we know this, she, she was on my list. Let's face it. Root is, Root is one of those characters that is just always going to be, even, I, I'm going to put it, you know, 50 years from now, I, if you ask us our favorite characters, Root is still going to be on our fucking list. Yeah. yeah. And another thing, speaking about lists, like, when you, know, you see those, like, pop culture, like, you know, female influential character list how how she has not made it or Shaw has not made it is beyond me um but they should be on there because and i think a special shout out to Shaw i think both of us can agree on this yes special shout out to Shaw like she barely like she didn't quite make the honorable mentions because she's she's definitely a little bit different as far as like higher up on the hop she's not really an honorable mention but she's not in quite in the top 5 i would say 6 like yes. 5.56 would be where I'm at. So I have a special shout out for her because um, her character is amazing too. Um, and uh, you know, Sarah Shahi's portrayal of this <laughs> former government assassin psycho uh, sociopath, spot on. Kudos. So um, yeah, I mean, this uh, our list. I I think this this top five list is actually a lot of fun because it, it, it was fun, but it was hard, yeah, man. It was hard. Yeah, <laughs> it took a lot of thought to figure out who could make it and like why they made it. And then you know, there was a lot of ties. At least with me, there was a lot of ties of okay, who can really take this slot? And there was little things that I weighed to be able to factor. Okay, who just barely nudged over the other one, and that's how they got the spot. But I mean, honestly, we could have did a top 20 and it'd have been a whole lot easier than yeah. top five because it was hard to narrow these jokers down. Uh, I mean, come on. They, you hear us rant and rave on here all the time about people we love. And I mean, we do. When we love them, we love them. Um, mm-hmm. But when we just had to narrow it down just for the sake of time, we were like, okay, yeah. but let's go yeah. with five. <laughs> five. I think that was a good list. Plus, we had really, truly, it's like seven because we had the honorable mentions, but. Um, and then it will then Shaw, of course, special shout out for Shaw. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, this was, this was fun. Like, this was a lot of fun. It took a lot of thought. It was hard, but it was fun. Um, but, uh, that's going to do it for us today. We appreciate you guys listening. As always, you can find us on our anchor page at anchor.fm backslash I can ship the pod. You can find us on Twitter and on the Instagram at I can ship the pod. We, uh, queer news and notes, uh, we, really need to bring that back just because mm-hmm. but there hasn't really been anything so there it's kind of hard to, yeah yeah so like once there's some breaking news we'll definitely like put that on but like as of this moment there really hasn't been anything so um but it's a, it's that weird you know tv 
transition season because you're transitioning from fall or sorry from summer to fall mm-hmm. so there's not really anything that's happened in that weird spot that we're in right now because fall tv is just now coming back and a supergirl premieres tomorrow oh um, dear god and batwoman batwoman yeah so a lot of shows are starting to come back um so we'll probably have some more stuff later on down the line but as of right now we don't have much or anything really and truly that we haven't already talked about so um but as soon as we got some new info of course we'll let you know and of course you follow us on our um social media pages anytime we get anything breaking you should throw it on there so um but yeah uh, uh we appreciate you guys listening we love you thank you so much for your time and uh, this is the i can Chicken pod i'm ashley and i'm annette and that's gonna do it thanks guys bye bye Bye.